0: On a less crying note,
1: I got to say, Alana, I feel very underdressed for this occasion.
0: (laughs) You look great. Thank you. I feel great. (laughs) Um, If this is your first Sunday at New Life, I would like to apologize. Uh, This This is is normal. (laughs)
1: It's fine.
0: My name's Alana, and I am uh, one of the pastors here. Let me explain. If you were here last night, then you may actually know what is happening here. We had a fabulous fundraiser event last night for our youth missions team. We had a carnival, the chairs were gone, there was tons of games all over the building, there was a silent auction, and one of those auction items, on behalf of Isaac the intern, giveaway of Isaac, so everybody knows who to thank, um, was to be my stylist for a day. And we also have to thank Peter, who was the winning bid. So thank you, Peter. Give a wave so we know who to thank. (laughs) Um, But so yes, you will see me like this. Feel free to come chat with me after the service. It's all for the kids. Let me tell you what happened last night, though. I just want to say a big thank you, because um, as New Life does, you guys showed up. Uh, The team needed to raise about $10,000. And we raised, drum roll, (laughs) $10,000. <laughs> yes. So thank you, church. Thank you so much. Um, we will have the team up here at some point so you can see the faces of those that are coming. Uh, this is not all the money that they need. Their their portion for the trip is divided into thirds, and fundraising was just one of it. So they're still going to be selling candy and popcorn and all that kind of good stuff at youth nights, and that will just lower their other costs as the as the trip gets planned. But we just want to say a big thank you to everybody that supported the missions trip last night. Great. Jesse. All right,
1: I'm gonna announce something else that I'm excited about.
0: We'll see if I cry or
1: not. Who knows? Um, last week Scott mentioned that we're gonna be doing a Christmas project for our friends on Boys Road. Do we have? Do we have the image? All right. So, what it is called is Kavod gift and toys. Uh, kavod is a Hebrew word. Um, the core of it meaning uh, like human honor and dignity, and that's something that we're really trying to do here. Is is open up a little shop that families can come, they can buy gifts. So they're gonna have brand new, unopened gifts that they can choose from, and they're gonna pay a little bit as well, like a a loony or a toony kind of thing. But there's something about not just receiving a donation and being able to give it to your kid, there's something about being able to purchase something for your child or purchase something for your sibling or purchase something for your parents. And there's, there's a, a bit of dignity that comes with that of, I got this for you. And so that's what we're trying to offer here as we go. Um, our Kids are on the Road team is going to do it. We'll make uh, two Sunday afternoons of it, have some propane fires, free hot chocolate, and they're going to come through a trailer and be able to pick out from our little shop. Here's where you come in. I don't own a toy shop. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would love to, I would love to have one in the trailer. And so what we're doing from November 14th to December 8th is we're collecting either if you wanna go out and buy some toys, little boxes of Lego, puzzles, games, that kind of thing, um, or even some gifts for adults that kids can buy for their parents, um, that's an option and you can come and either deliver it in the kids' own room or to me at the office, or another option if you don't wanna do the shopping, you can always financially donate. Um, we would love to do this as well because then I can go and I can get different things. I know the kids that we're, and the families that we're serving down there, and so I can buy a little bit more um, specific items, that kind of thing. So there are two options, either you can bring in a, an unopened gift or financially support, and we'll be talking about this over the next couple weeks, and of course you'll be hearing more about it when it happens.
0: Great. It kind of looks like I own a toy shop. I don't. Maybe we'll have you there. (laughs) That'd be great. I could do that. Um, Good. Last but not least, uh, as promised, we do have a little handout at the info booth if anybody feels like they want that. This was in the Friday email too, and it's just talking about the week that is coming up when our lead pastor candidate, Simon, and his family are with us. They arrive this coming Friday. They'll be with us on the next two Sundays. Um, And this page just shows a couple different opportunities that you as a church have to engage with him. Uh, starting with a lunch after our service next week everybody's invited to just a casual lunch to mingle he'll be dropping in on the abundant joy club on wednesday there's an fx family game night on saturday and then of course the following sunday a q and r here after the service as well Um, so there's great chances to meet him get to know him and um, ultimately for us to discern together if he is our next lead pastor that's at the info booth i think that's all we have all right thanks guys
2: Church. Guess what's happening next week? Any idea? Simon's coming. <laughs> uh, I talked to Simon a few times, uh, texted back and forth with him. He and his family are very excited about uh, coming here and uh, meeting you and greeting you. So please, uh, if you can make it a priority to be here the next two Sundays, that would be very Very good for us as a church. Well, this morning, we are continuing on with our invitation to a journey. We have been looking at Jesus' call to come and follow me. And in that call of him to us to come follow him is a call to be his disciples. It is a call to be, um, as some have put it, apprenticing, apprenticing with Jesus And to apprentice with Jesus is to learn from somebody, is to come alongside and to walk with them and to do life with them. And Jesus has given us that invitation to do that, to come and follow him. It wasn't just something in which he he gave to his disciples back then. It continues with us today. He continues to call you to come and follow him. How in the world can we do that? He's not here. We're not walking with him. Yes, we are. And through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit, he is with you. Isn't that good? He is with us. We don't come to this building to uh, find Jesus, although we may encounter him in a different way. We come into this building and we are bringing Jesus with us if we know him as our Savior and Lord. For he is with you all the time. I like that. He never leaves me or he never forsakes me. Which brings me to a place in which I trust that God is always up to something in the world that I live in. He's always up to something. He's up to something in your life today. And I know that because if he wasn't, you wouldn't be sitting here breathing. But because you are actually breathing air, and maybe you think you were the one that got yourself out of bed today, which you probably did have to. Do that, But it was God who made sure that you could wake up this morning. He did it. He's giving you life today. I like that. It means that God has something for me. He has something for you today. If not, he wouldn't have woken you up. You wouldn't be here. He's not done with you. He's got a lot more planned for you. Is that good? I think it's good because he's the God of this universe. He's the God that knows the beginning to the end. He knows what's going to happen next. And I can tell you, I certainly don't know what's going to happen next. But he does. And he invites us to be part of that because he is with us. And he is in us. We've also been talking about what it means to be with Jesus. And being with him is not simply going, he is there and I am here. But being with him is that we are together. That we can actually be in his presence. And again, it's not simply being in his presence when we come to church. We get to do that differently. We get to do that with each other. And that is something that is glorious and beautiful. Community is something in which, dare I say, God ordained. It is a spiritual delight of God that we would fellowship with one another, that we would commune with one another. We would come together in a setting like this, as well as in a setting where we're in small little groups. And I promote small groups. I promote house churches and our our small groups. Why? Because it's here that we actually start to, if we're willing, we're actually starting to be real with one another. And as I said, we can come on a Sunday morning and, and you can ask me, how am I doing? And I can look at you and I would say, fine. And I would say, good. And some days it's okay to say that, even when I'm not. But in my small group, if I say, and Suzanne asked me, how am I doing? And I say to her, fine. She may look at me and she may say, really? Seriously? Because you don't look like it. Because we have traveled close enough that she knows when I'm not doing good, and I need that accountability. We all need that accountability. We all need that community. And Jesus wants us to have that community with him. That's who he is, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is a God of community, and he invites us to be part of that community with him and together as a church so I come to my last message on being with him. And we have something called the Bible. It's beautiful, it's a beautiful book. I remember when I was a young lad, I wonder if Simon's gonna say that. <laughs> Andy, how would he say young lad? you never understand that. Okay. <laughs> Great! He's gonna say something. I won't. Okay. Um, Because of my struggles with 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 reading, I just wanted to read the Bible. I just desired to read the Bible, and there was a lot of these and thous in the Bible. And for a guy like me, it was hard to understand these and thous. And when I finally got a Bible that there was no these and thous in, it was like, wow, this is amazing. I can actually begin to understand this. See, the word of God that we have here, it's life. It's it's living. It's living because it is God who has breathed it to us and in us and for us that we would know who he is. You must have many precious things in your home. I have some trinkets that are pretty precious to me. But I don't think there's anything more precious than God's word. And so we read in Hebrews. I got a buzz here. Here we go. It says... The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of the soul and the spirit of the joints and the marrows, discerning the thoughts and intention of God's heart. That's what the writer of Hebrews wrote. Now, understand that when he did that, he, he probably had about this much of the Bible that he was talking about. The New Testament was being written. It wasn't what he had. He was talking about the Torah. He was talking about Psalms. He was talking about the minor prophets and the major prophets and and books like Nehemiah. And he's saying the word of God is living and active. Why? Because it is God who is given to us. Because it is God through man writing that he gives us the word of God. And it's living and it's active. What does that mean to me? It means that when I open it up, I anticipate God speaking to me because it's alive. If I am living apart from him, and as a Christian, you can live apart from him, meaning not in relationship where you are communing with him, you're doing your own thing, yet you know him, and you open up God's word, you may not receive much from it. Because there's something blocking that voice. And it's called the way you're living. And I've been there. But when I pick up God's word and I'm in relationship with him and I read it, I anticipate that God is going to speak with me. And one of the reasons is that I believe that he is here, he is present. I'm a, I, I want to be aware of that. I try to be aware of his presence. I, I came across this quote here from Richard Rohr, and he says, we cannot attain the presence of God. Well, that's kind of discouraging. We are totally in the presence of God. Oh, that's better. But he says, what, what's absence is awareness. Let that sit with you for a moment. Presence of God. It's always here. But what can be absent is our awareness to it. And so, there's a reason why I'm going here. (laughs) I am going through um, God's Word in a different way right now. I'm, I'm taking it very slowly, and I do it different ways, but right now I'm just taking it very slowly, and I'm reading through Galatians, and I may read two verses. I may read one verse. I may read five verses, I just but I'm reading through it slowly. And then I'm underlining something, and then I'm just writing a little note on there. And as I do, I'm anticipating that God is going to speak to me, and he has been speaking to me. And as I was reading Galatians 2.20, which I've read already once this morning, but I'll read it again. For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I have memorized that verse. I have read that verse I don't know how many times. I've heard messages preached on that verse. So why would this verse stop me in my devotional? Because God wanted me to stop there. This is what stood out to me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. And as I was looking at that and I was reading that, it's like, okay, I'm going to live life. We are all going to live life. You can't help. If you're alive, if you're breathing, you're living life right now. But which life am I going to live? That was the question that came to me. Which life am I going to live? Am I going to live a life that is crucified, that it talks about here, and then the question is, is how do I live that life? Or am I going to live a life that's not crucified, which I direct what I do and how I say, and yeah, I'll throw God in there because, well, I go to church and I believe in God. Or am I living a life that is surrendered? That is crucified. And that's a hard life to live. But we are all going to live a life. We have to choose if I'm going to live that life according to my flesh, the way that I want, or the way that God wants. If I'm not surrendered, crucified, or allowed for the Holy Spirit to examine my life, my flesh will lead me to a separation from God. Romans 7, 18. And it says, For I know nothing good dwells in me. That's a happy line. That is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. That's me. I'm there. I understand that. I mean, don't you just sometimes, just in a spot and going, oh, I know I shouldn't say that right now, or I shouldn't have said that. That's probably the moral truth to it, right? I shouldn't have said that. But the inside voice came out, and I couldn't control it. And they deserved it anyways, (laughs) right? Right? I mean, that's what the flesh does. The flesh is so good at justifying my actions. I won't say your actions, because I know you're not there. You're way above me. But it does a a good job at justifying. If she hadn't said this, if he hadn't done that, if, if my kid would just listen to me, if my parent would just hear what I had to say, if my boss would have, or if that employee wouldn't do such an annoying stuff, I wouldn't have had to have said what I said. So, where's the answer? How do I live a life that is crucified? Well, Paul kind of said the same thing. You go on in Romans chapter 7, he says, What a wretched man I am! Again, I'll raise my hand. Who will deliver me from the body, this body of death? And then he says... Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. And so we come back to, I have been crucified with Christ. So, where do we do? Where do we go from here? How? How do we achieve this? I hope, and my desire is, as I've presented this, that your heart aches for more, that you long for more. Wherever you are with Jesus, that you long for more because there is more. I don't care if you are here or if you are here in age. The life of Christ, the one that seeks to know him, longs for more because he has more for us. We can never exhaust him. You can never exhaust God and who he is and his abundance. And I want you to ache for that. I want you to long for that. So, where do I go? Well, this is where I stop. This is where I stop my message and I pray and I say, great. Oh, I should add one more thing. Before I stop, all I want you to do is work harder. I want you to do more for Jesus. Okay? And then I'm going to pray, and we're going to go home. Because that works, right? Anyone? Yeah? (laughs) Doesn't. I've tried. I'm almost 57, I know. So what I want to do is this. I want to finish up our time. And I've had these inventories that I've been giving you. And some of you maybe have looked over them. Well, today I'm going to help you maybe not look over them and give you more reasons why I want you to do a life inventory. Because your life inventory comes to the place of you're doing life. And the question is, is how are you doing life? For what purpose? And I know that if I stop and I look at my life a bit... And so in this, there's these nine categories, and there could be more, but there's are these nine, and, 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 um, and it's in your relationship with God, it's whether you're single or you're married, your friendship, whether you're a parent or you're a child, your body, your work or your retirement, rest or play, money or technology. Even those nine areas, if you were to look at those nine areas and say, what do they look like before God? And that's really what this inventory is. And then you create some holy habits that are going to bring you into the presence of God. So spiritual practices or, or holy habits, I like to call them, are not magic bullets. It's just what God says if, you, if we engage with him with good practices and we're going we're to be in his presence and there's nothing like being in his presence. So I want to go through this inventory. I have some sheets out in the back. You can grab them. You can find them online um, and uh, we're, we're putting them up there so you can print them off yourself. But I just want to go through this worksheet because I think it's fabulous. I didn't come up with it. Somebody else did, but I think it's brilliant. And so... I want to go through it. So, the first part is this. The idea was is to look at your life. And I'm just going to highlight relationship. Uh, that's supposed to be, um, what is it supposed to be? Oh, okay, the IP. You know, last week, did you, did you, you all entered into my dyslexic moment? If you saw up there, I wanted you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses whatever. And they said, chapter 4, yeah, you caught that? Yeah, that's, yeah, welcome to my world. Um, Okay, so I didn't know if I made a mistake up there. I just hyphenated it. Okay, my relationship with God and abiding. So the first first part in this is that how does this area of my life look like Jesus or not like him? The current rhythm of life that might shape this. So let me put up here where I was, I don't know, maybe a year ago. Eight months ago? being honest with you, I felt distant from God. I had my moments, but my life just kind of felt distant most of all. Um, I felt disconnected often. And I looked at the current rhythm, and I'd say, when I read Scripture, it didn't, doesn't always seem alive. When I pray, I feel highly distracted. So that, that's, that's where I was, I was being honest. I want to do another one um, because I'm going to take the top and the bottom here to be honest with you. Um, the bottom one, technology. So how does this area of my life look like Jesus or not like him? And I would say that I, ha- I, I have, have, having, trying not to, but I have an unhealthy relationship with my phone. It's a tool that is using me. I'm not using it. That's honest with you. It's where I'm at. And when I look at it, it's that I pick up my phone whenever I am not doing anything. I wake up in the morning, and I grab my phone first thing. I have no limits on how or when I use my phone. That was, I don't know, what do you say, Rayna? A month ago, two months ago? (laughs) that's honestly where I'm at it's unhealthy it's an unhealthy relationship okay so you get that that's it's in here that I begin to see that when I actually connect with God in these moments and I do it in a healthy way I'm in the presence of God all right So the next part of this worksheet is that we look at who I am and who I'm becoming, and I write an identity statement because I need to remember who I am in Christ because the world wants to tell me who I should be. They want me to reflect on who it wants me to be and not who he wants me to be. And so I look at this, and I put down, I am, his child, a servant of the Most High King. That's for me. It's going to be different for you. It could be a little bit similar for you, but that was for me. When I sat with God, and I had to sit with him, it wasn't something quick. I just sat with him quiet, and I said, God, w- w- what is this with me and you? And this is what came to me. So life category, Jesus' vision for whom I am become, who I become. So he has a vision. So when I look at abiding with him, his vision is that I'm his child who abides with the Most High King, his child who abides in the Most High King. That's his vision for me, that I am connected to the source with Jesus, That's what his vision for me when it looks like abiding. So these are the things that I I had to do in order to abide. And I I have my 10-minute silence. We talked about silence. I, I will not give that up. That is, if you want to call it, that's my happy place. That is my happy place with God. And I can be highly distractible in that as well. But when, when I sit in his presence and I enjoy his presence, it's, it's good, even in my distraction. I read my Bible daily, something I do daily. And I journal regularly. Weekly, I'm in community connection that's here That's in my house church. I'm weekly connecting because that is what helps me to abide with Him. And then yearly, I go on a spiritual retreat. I'll go away for two or three days, I'm off. It's God and I, it's silence. It drives me crazy sometimes, but it's good. Technology. This is where I am today. It's this. I am working hard to reduce my screen time down to an hour to an hour and a half, and mostly that has to do with work. On days off, I try to do it 30 to 45 minutes. It's life, it's there. It's not using me, I'm using it. Maybe I do want to look up a recipe to how to cook something, it's okay. Maybe I want to text somebody, it's okay. So I'm I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad. I just don't want it to rule my life. And this, for me, is the way that it doesn't rule my life. When I come home, I'm trying to put my phone on my charger. Yesterday, we were out in the yard, and I set my phone on the bench, and there was a couple times I went to go reach for it, and it wasn't there. And oh, yeah, it's on the bench. I don't know, it sat there probably for two hours on the bench, never looked at it. It's fantastic. I'm trying to have more time of just silent, unplugged in my ears, where I'm not listening. I love podcasts, and there's some great podcast guys out there and gals. They're fantastic. But I'm just trying to unplug. I go for runs. I used to always be plugged in when I go for a run. I don't now. I unplug, and I just enjoy the presence of God. Those are things for me. Okay, this is what I'm telling you. I'm not saying this is what. Here's the other thing is that when I go to appointments or I'm standing in a line when I have nothing to do, I'm not picking up my phone. I will allow myself to be bored. Remember those days? They were fantastic. Some of you, don't, you don't know. They've always had this. You have no idea what it means to be bored. But it's okay to be bored. Isaac, do you know what it means to be bored? No. no. It, it's really great. It really is. God can actually speak to us in our boredom. Hmm. Okay. Do you get the idea? And so really what this is, is it begins this rule of life of how I'm going to live my life. Not how the world says I'm going to live my life, but how God wants me to live my life. It's not legalism. It's freedom. It's freedom. So let me finish up. Um, Where do we go from here? All right. Six things. If you haven't started the life inventory, I suggest you begin there. Pick up a sheet, go online, grab a sheet. If you haven't started it, do it. Try it, just try it, just humor me. If it doesn't do anything for you, come to me and say, Scott, that was a waste of my time. I can handle that, all right? But just try it. I kinda think it's not gonna be a waste of your time, obviously. Secondly, if you have started it, then finish the last column. Finish the last column. And then sit before God and ask him, what life category should you begin to engage with? You saw, my two. My two is abiding with him and my technology are the first two. I think I have a couple more in there, but those are my first two because I know that, that my technology is interfering with my abiding and I want to strip that away. Maybe for some of you, you are workaholics. You work all the time. And really God's saying, Seriously? Is that interfering? We're made to work. If you're not, you know, we're made to work. Work is good, hear me out, okay? But, we can be excessive in anything. So ask God, where do you want me to start? And then I would suggest, I would suggest abiding, number one, it's important. And then, with that, you might pick, you might pick another one, maybe two. And then start in each one of them by just creating a holy habit. What is a holy habit that he wants? So maybe it's silence for 10 minutes. Maybe it's putting your phone on a charger and you create a holy habit instead of an un- unhealthy habits in each of those categories. So take small steps. Don't try to do all nine. Don't try to have five or six or seven habits. Pick one or two and start there and then keep adding to it. And find another person to journey with. Raina and I are journeying together. But find some other people to journey with you because it's meant to be done in community. That's it. That's all I got. Now I can pray. I'm so excited for what God is doing in this church. I really am. And I'm excited that as he is doing this, we have an opportunity to have a new lead pastor that gets to step into a church that God is doing good things in. Isn't that exciting? Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Lord, thank you that your presence is with us. And, Lord, that we, as a church, as your people, as individuals, would find ourselves hungry to be aware of your presence. Father, help us not to slip into legalism, but to be so passionate about abiding, that we're willing to change our lives so that our flesh is now living in Christ and not living in the world. In Jesus' name, amen.